We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, let, let's uh, let's talk about our next topic. And we we told people last week that we would talk about this, right? And we would talk about ESPN's football power index. Yes. So uh, obviously ESPN came out with their football power index last week, <clears throat> and uh, kind of ranked their their teams. I think it was a top twenty-five, right? The FPI top twenty-five. They actually and had everybody ranked all the way down to have? UMass, okay. Ryan. All wow. the way down to UMass. UMass yeah. is still a Division One team, huh? huh? Yes, FBS independent, man, just like Notre <laughs> okay. Dame. So, okay. yeah. I was kind of being a little bit sarcastic <laughs> on that. And so they had Notre Dame ranked ninth. Yep. Which uh, I thought was interesting. And I, I wanted to kind of go through, we're going to discuss where Notre Dame is ranked, whether we think it's fair or not. And, and then kind of dive into just the rest of the rankings and, and really focusing more on the top 25, who is in the top 25 and who is not, but should be kind of thing. And I'll kind of just have you kick it off, Ryan, with just your, over, your overall thoughts of, of Notre Dame. They had Notre Dame uh, basically pick ninth with a projected nine and three record, essentially. You know, their projected win loss is 9.1 and 2.9. Yes, their percentage to win the playoff to make the playoff is fifteen point eight, which is significantly lower than the teams ahead of them. Uh, make the national championship game five point one and win the title is one point six. The th- couple things I noticed, Ryan, the nine and three record, number one makes sense because they have three teams that Notre Dame plays ranked ahead of them, so that makes sense. Yes, it does. The thing that I found interesting too is there's a big the big gap between so like if you look at numbers four through eight yep. their their chances of making the playoff it's 23 7 34 2 25 9 24 7 24 2 then notre dame at 15.8 and then the next lowest is penn state and oklahoma tied at 10.7 moral story is to espn's football power index there's a big gap between eight and nine and then nine and ten yes so Notre Dame's kind of in this I, – I found that really fascinating. They're in this island all by themselves. They're not close to the teams ahead of them, and they're pretty significantly ahead of the teams behind them. I thought that was very interesting. But overall thoughts on on where you see Notre Dame in the, the football power index, and then we'll, we'll dive into the others here in a minute. 
Yeah, I, I think for me, I mean, because you look at the teams ahead of them, and I mean, if I could just go through the top 10 real quick sure. just for people that don't have it. So we have Ohio State come in at number one, Alabama at number two, Georgia at three, LSU at four, Texas at five, Michigan at six, USC at seven, Clemson at eight, Notre Dame at nine, and then Penn State rounds out number 10. I mean, for me, Brian, like this is – so all this is basically attributed based upon – what is the returning production to a football team? What did the team do last season? And right. then obviously you are kind of parlaying what the yeah. production is coming back versus the teams on your schedule and kind of to determine what the outcomes is going to be for a so, season. Like that's kind of how let, let me just go ahead and read this real quick, Ryan. It's we probably yes. I should I should have done this at the beginning. That's my fault. But this is what ESPN has on their site. The football power index, the FPI, is a measure of team strength that 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 is meant to be the best predictor of a team's performance going forward for the rest of the season. FBI represents how many points above or below average a team is. Projected results are based on 20,000 simulations of the rest of the season using FBI results to date and the remaining schedule. Ratings and projections update daily. FBI data from seasons prior to 2019 may not be complete. So that's basically what they're looking for and and are looking at. And, and since we have the entire season to look at, it's projecting out the entire season. And then the four four teams ahead of it's what I found fascinating too is the four teams ahead of them are all projected to basically go 10 and two or 10 and three uh basically 10 and two they have LSU is strange because they have LSU at basically 9.6 and 2.6 which is 10 and three which doesn't make a lot of sense we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And then Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, or Al- Georgia and uh, Georgia, they have an 11 and a 12 and one, basically rounding up 11.7 to 11.2. Yep. Bama, 11.1 and 11.6. So it's like they have way too many games for some of these teams. There's no way that Alabama, LSU, and, and Georgia can all play 13 games. You know what I mean? In the regular season. But uh, I mean, just taking Notre Dame out of context without looking what's around them, ahead or below them, uh, nine is fair. I think. I think having Notre Dame outside the top 10 is not something I would do. But if they're as long as they're within the top 13, I'm not going to bash you for it. Sure. You know, because you're talking about a team went nine and four last year, lost to Stanford and lost to Marshall. Now, I think Notre Dame's going to be a lot better. They yeah. got a quarterback in that doesn't make them a lot better. But the counter argument, if I'm a non Notre Dame person, is yeah, but that guy was a quarterback on like an eight and five football team. Right. Sure. That, now, that's out of context as well. But the reality is, is that Notre Dame has a lot to prove this year before I'm going to argue that they should be not ranked ninth, higher than ninth with no context, right? With no context. So I, I think the FPI ranking of number nine is fair, Ryan, with no I, other context to look at. Now, yeah. when you when you throw in the context, that's where the conversation becomes a little bit like, hmm, okay. For sure. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, the baseline is that I mean, and this is just the starting point, right? Like, there's a much more nuanced and a longer delivery to this conversation. But every team that's in front of Notre Dame had a better record than them last year, right? Like, I, that's the baseline is that Notre Dame went nine and four last year. Every team in front of them won double digit games, and then obviously at the top, we're talking about Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, who all made the college football play. Actually, I'm sorry, Alabama did not make the college football playoff, but you you know what I'm saying there. Like they're all competitive to potentially be in the college football playoff down the stretch of the season. So all the teams had better records than Notre Dame in the 2022 version. 2023, I think that this this is where the conversation becomes very, and I don't know how they determine this, honestly, Brian, because you just mentioned something that I think is key, is that you do get Sam Hartman into this conversation, right? You do. So how do you appropriately put into the formula transfers coming in, transfers coming out? And because like we talked about it, right? Numbers at Notre Dame are pro- probably not going to be quite as gaudy as what they were at Wake Forest. But that doesn't not mean the that it's not 2021 numbers. I, I, think exactly. he's, I think he's capable of repeating last year's overall numbers. How, having said that, I'm talking about total raw numbers. Yes. Because Sam Hartman doing the same – number his yards per per game average didn't change much last year he just played fewer games right and that's why the numbers change but if you if you go look at sam hartman's actual like his actual per per game statistics he averaged in 2021 he averaged three point three hundred and two yards per game that allowed him to get to four thousand two hundred twenty eight yards but he played 14 games Last year, only played 12 games and had 3,700 yards passing, 3,701, but he actually averaged 308 yards per game. So when I talk about the no, – I'm not talking about 308 yards per game. I think that'll be tough because of the nature of Notre Dame's offense. He's certainly yes. capable of it, but the, this I think Notre Dame will be more of a 275 to 230 type of team if they're going to be that – if they are that explosive. 
but the the raw numbers is what I think is comparable, Ryan. The 2022 raw numbers. I, I right. I think for Sam Harbin to throw for 4,200 yards, no names. I mean, if he does do that, they're going to be really flipping good. But it would yes. it would be more of a they make the playoff and then win the semifinal. And then, you know what I mean? It gets back to he's going to play 14 games again. That's how exactly. I see the only way I see that one happening. And obviously factoring into this FBI ranking, we're talking about a 12-game sample size because, like you said, you're right. predicting basically nine and three for Notre Dame. So right. I, I just I – just, I would love to dig a little deeper into the people that obviously do this formula, right, and how they find these numbers. Because, again, Sam Hartman to Notre Dame in a vacuum is a big plus, right, especially when you're talking about what Notre Dame had in 2022 compared to what they could have in 2023. But my biggest question is how do they take those numbers and associate it properly with what it will look like at Notre right. Dame, because that's such a question mark, right? That's like you don't 100% know what it's going to look like. That's why I have if, if we're an being issue fair, with some of these Ryan, formulas sometimes. If, if yeah. we're being fair, I mean, look, we could sit there and say, well, they went 9-4 and four last year, but if you put Sam Hartman on the team last year, they beat Stanford, yeah. they beat Marshall, they might even beat Ohio State. That's subjective, though. I don't know that that to be a fact. I have no clue. Maybe they do beat those teams, but they lose to someone. Maybe they lose to Clemson because they would have been more reliant on the th- on passing the ball. And then you get those that weather the way that it was, and they hadn't built their offensive lineup to the point that that it did against Clemson to where they could rely on the run game the way that it. I, I mean, I don't think that would have been the case, but I could make just as legitimate of a of a football argument for that as I could. Okay, so they beat Stanford, but they lose to Clemson. Right. Right. I mean, because they the offensive line would have they would have they would have gone into that windy game that cold, windy night, relying too heavily on the pass. And the O-line wouldn't have been developed the way that it was because the O-line had to become that good. Yep. All right. I don't necessarily believe that, but that you could make that argument, and I and it's just as factual as the, the other argument that we just made, right? And I think – but I would argue too, Ryan, that I think part of the reason that they have Notre Dame ninth is because of Sam Hartman. I think if Sam Hartman doesn't come to Notre Dame, you could make a case that they'd be actually lower than that. So I I believe they are factoring in the, the transfer aspect of having Notre Dame ninth, in my opinion, because they're clearly projecting teams like this is what's interesting. They say, you know, it's based on past performance, but it's not really based on past performance completely. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, and this is where we can kind of talk about the whole list now, Ryan, if it's based on past performance, you don't have LSU fourth and Texas fifth. But yeah. Texas was the weird one for me, man. And, and like, even LSU's, being fourth is is too high yes because they weren't that good last year so you're projecting them to be better than they were last so the you know again there's reason to make that case they're bringing back their quarterback and they're almost almost their entire coaching staff is back and there's a lot of different factors kind of go into this but that's too high but the texas one especially is like okay you're really taking a leap of faith there and i don't know that you have the same justification for jumping Texas all the way up to fifth that you do for Notre Dame because Texas doesn't have a new transfer quarterback like Sam Hartman coming. I mean, Texas won eight and five last year, man. Yep. I mean, they lost the, yeah, they were competitive against Alabama, but they still lost. They lost to Texas, Texas tech. They lost to Oklahoma state. They lost to TCU and they lost to Washington in a bowl game. So my whole thing is how are you going to have Texas fifth, and you're going to have Washington all the way down at 21. And when when last year, Washington, I would argue, has more production coming back, 
has better top-level talent coming back, with all due respect to Xavier Worthy, if you're comparing Texas and, and, and Washington, Washington is the better quarterback. They have the better receivers. And I would argue that you could make a case they, they might even have better running backs because Texas lost their top two guys from last year. So what's the argument to have Texas fifth and have Washington 21st if we're looking at last year in sight? Because Texas won 8-5 last year, got beat by Washington, who went 11-2 and two last year. So uh, there's clearly some leaps of faith being taken in these rankings. LSU's not a leap of faith. That's just a slight overranking. I mean, they should be in the bottom of the top 10. I'm not banging the table saying, oh my, this is crazy having LSU fourth. I think it's too high. Yeah. And I also think it's too, too you know, if we're looking at past production, having Michigan behind LSU and Texas and Ohio State, if we're talking about past production, doesn't make a lot of sense. Especially because Mich- Michigan has a lot coming back, too. It's not like they lost a ton. Yeah. I mean, you lost Mike Morris as a defensive end, who was a solid player. You lost DJ Turner, who was a solid to good corner. And you lost, what, Ryan Hayes in your center? But, like, I mean, you have – some guys coming back, man. I mean, your starting quarterback's coming back. Your two best running backs are coming back. Your best corner from last year was coming back. I mean, Michigan has a lot coming back this year. So I, I think that Michigan should be ranked a spot or two higher, in my opinion. I agree with you 100% on that one. Some of these are – like, this is why the past production conversation gets a little weird to me sometimes because it's also – not all past production is created equal, right? It's right. like if I have, like, a percentage of – if I have one team with a higher percentage of returning production, let's say one that's lower, but the returning production or the lower team is like quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, it's like, but that's maybe a little bit more important than them returning both their starting safeties that next year. You know what I mean? Or just their starting guards or their running backs. Like, I just think there's some context that we miss there. S- some reactions, though, like, I mean, I think Florida State should be a little bit higher, to be honest. I mean, yeah. what are we looking at there? We're looking at yeah. 14th. I mean, this should be a couple yeah. spots higher. In my right. Estimation. You know what? Let's let's do this. I think this will be yeah. kind of good. Let's start with the top 10, right? And, okay. and kind of go through it. Because I think that – that and, and so who should be in it? Because to your point, like number one, Ohio State should not be number one. I'm sorry. Nah. They, nah, they should not so. be number one. They have to play at Michigan and at Notre Dame this year. That, that – and, and – you're talking about a team that Michigan has not only beat the last two years, but has beaten thoroughly. The last, yes. it's, it's not like Michigan squeaked out a couple last-second field goals to beat Ohio State. They physically no. beat Ohio State behind the last two years. That's been close. That's Especially been last year. Especially last year. And yeah. if you look at what Michigan's losing, they're losing some good players. But Ohio State lost a guy that's going to be a top-five NFL draft pick at quarterback. Yes. They lost a guy that's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick at offensive tackle. They lost both of their offensive tackles and their starting and center. center. Yeah. Yes, they have a lot coming back, of course, but so does Michigan, in my opinion. They lost one of their starting defensive ends. I mean, yeah. so, you know, yeah, they got a lot coming back on defense, but I would argue, again, so does Michigan. So, I mean, you, you look at it there. What What's your rationale for having Ohio State number one and, and Georgia number three? Okay. Ohio State lost their starting, you know, Georgia lost their two-time national championship quarterback. All right, cool. Yes, they did. But Georgia wasn't as reliant on Stetson Bennett as Ohio State was on on CJ Stroud. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Say that I mean, one Ohio time. State relied on CJ Stroud a lot more than Georgia relied on Stetson Bennett oh, on a week to week basis. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get that one. Uh Alabama number two. I mean, I expect that. I, I'm okay with Alabama number two. I wouldn't have Alabama number two in my preseason top 25. I'd have them a little bit lower. But, I mean, it's Alabama. 
you know, they're, they're, they're going to be in there every year, but I'd have, I'd have Georgia one. And I wouldn't even be necessarily opposed to having Ohio state number two. I, I wouldn't have them there. They got to prove they can beat Michigan first. I mean, you, you can't be ranked number one overall. If you, if you, if you're not even the best team in your conference. And for the last two years, they haven't been the best team in their conference. Sure. And, and not really close to the best team in their conference. Cause the best team in their conference has kicked their butts the last two years yeah. at their place and at the other team's place. And you've got to go back to their place this year. So to me, as much as I hate it, Michigan should be higher. If we're if we're basing this off recent production and then returning production, Michigan returns one of the best backfields in the country. Yep. So you can't say Ohio State's ahead of them there. They bring back almost most of their receiver production, really good tight end production. Their offensive line's in a much healthier place than Ohio State's is. They return their starting quarterback. Yep. And they return most of their best players on defense. Like Michigan's draft class this year, Ryan's not going to be big. It's not going to be that no. big. And it's partly because they didn't lose. They lost some good players. But they didn't lose a lot of guys. No, and- I mean, they, they, they lost, they lost like day three level prospects this year. Yeah. I mean, like good players, you know, like right. Ronnie Bell's a good receiver. Like yeah. Mike Morse is a solid defensive end. Old Oluwatimi is a good center, but he's not going to be like a high level draft pick, like good football. And they players, replaced him with a guy that people view as a preseason first team all American. Now, again, I don't think he's that good, but the perception is there. And, and, and then yes. you, where you did lose players, you've already found your replacements where Ohio state's coming out of the spring. Like, I don't know who the replacements are going to be for our offensive tackles. We may have to go to the portal where Michigan's like, we already did that. We're good. Yeah. We already yeah. went to the portal and got the most talented, physically gifted tackle in the portal. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I said it before, man, on the hoof, that kid looks like a top 20 NFL draft pick. It's just, you know, he's you have to the develop most them, obviously God gifted <laughs> offensive That's lineman that Michigan's had. In the last three years, yeah. Now probably, will he be the probably the offense? most probably the most talented since what Taylor De- Taylor Decker maybe like it's yeah. been a while. Well, Taylor I mean, Lewan, yeah. I'll tell you what I meant. I, I meant Lewan. Decker was Ohio State. I yeah. knew what you meant. Yeah. Yep. And Taylor Decker wasn't that long ago, so it wouldn't have had the same the same impact. But yes, so I I still have Georgia number one, LSU four. I don't agree with, but I, I, I'm it's not one that I'm I'm going to argue with somebody about. Right? They were the SEC West champs last year. They beat Bama. So if you're going to have Bama in the top four, then you need to be willing to make the case for LSU to be in the top four. I, I wouldn't, right? I mean, they lost to Texas A&M. They got destroyed by Tennessee. But LSU does have a lot coming back. And what they did last year was with the first-year coach. They returned almost the entire coaching staff. So I think those are reasons why you could make the case for LSU in the top five. I personally probably wouldn't put them there. But, I'm again, it's not one I'm going to pound the table on and say, no way. I right. think it's more egregious to have Ohio State number one than LSU number four, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was compl- I was completely fine with the LSU thing. Like, yeah, maybe one spot lower, two spots. Like, I mean, we sure. could we could talk about We're those semantics, but three, four yeah, spots. That's it, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I mean, because at the end of the day, you return your starting quarterback. Most of your offensive lines returning. Your best wide receiver from last year is returning. Harold Perkins, obviously sophomore, potentially taking a big step up. You got rid of the biggest cancer on your roster. I mean, yes. you did say what yes. you want, but you did. You got rid of the yep. biggest cancer on your roster. That helps. Yep. yep. So, yeah. I, and, and they brought in some freshmen that can help now, yep. in my opinion. Shelton Sampson can play for you right now, in my opinion. I mean, I've made that case before. The other, the, 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 the biggest top 10 that I just saw and was like, that's insane, was Texas at five. Yeah. They're, they're, and they have Texas going basically rounding up 10 and three, 10.1 and 2.6. They must think the Big 12 is awful <laughs> if if they're going to have Texas that high. It, and, and 
which they I mean, don't. I mean, they have like five Big have, 12 teams in the top 25. They have Oklahoma that also would rank up to 10 and 3 as well yeah. right there. I'm looking they at number 11. Oklahoma right? at 11. Yeah. They have TCU at 17. Mm-hmm. They have Texas Tech at 22 and Baylor at 24, Kansas State at 27. So they have five other Big 12 teams in the top 30. And yeah. yet Texas is going to be a top five team against that based on what? They must really think that's going to be a top-heavy conference then, huh? There's going to be some bottom dwellers in there. Yeah, and then Ohio State's going to dominate. I mean, Texas is going to dominate all those teams that are that are behind them. Apparently, apparently. right? Apparently. Yeah. So you know, it's a it's a to me, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I'm not I'm not with you on that. I can't go with you on that. I I, I just that's a bad ranking. Now you know, could is Texas capable of jumping into that? Sure. Talent wise, yeah, you, yeah. you can't. But even talent wise, I I think that you. I'd have a hard time buying it. They have some highly ranked guys, but there's also some gaps on that roster where, where Sarkeesian hasn't been able to fill those things yet, in my opinion. So I, I, that's, I, that's the most egregious to me. I think Texas, I think the Texas hype is falling into the, they were only freshmen and sophomores last year. Wait for another year, you know, sure. and, and, and sometimes that works, but a lot yeah. of times that doesn't really work that yeah. way. Right. I mean, Quinn Ewers going from first year so- starters, a sophomore to junior year. Should take a big jump in theory, right? That offensive yeah. line last year started what, like three to four freshmen at times. Like they should be better, but again, not all, not all development is linear. I mean, we just fell into that last year with Notre Dame a little bit, didn't we? I mean, we we're talking about that sophomore class this past year of like Lorenzo and all those guys. And it's like some of them really took a step up, but not not everybody, right? Yeah. And you get caught in that little conversation of. Yes, in theory, it'll be a lot better, but it doesn't always happen that way. So right. I just think that's the Texas conversation right now. Right. Agree. Agree. That's one that I have a big problem with. USC at seven, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with yeah. that. And, and I mean, if somebody wanted to project USC higher, because uh, I, I think the Pac-12, I, I'm not sold on the Pac-12 being, it's going to be a very top-heavy league this year, in my opinion. Very top-heavy. There's three to four really good teams in the Pac-12, and then not, not a lot after that. And USC doesn't play all the teams in that top three or four. And, yeah, you know, and so I'm I'm okay with that one. Clemson at eight is another one that I had a problem with. You want to now we're higher? looking with with related to Notre Dame. Okay. So the reality is, is Notre Dame and Clemson have played the last two times they've played in the regular season. Notre Dame is one. You can put an asterisk by the one in 2020 because of the fact that there was no Trevor, no Tyler Davis, no Mike Jones, no James Skalski. Sure. And you still need a double overtime to beat them. Totally fine with that. Notre Dame absolutely destroyed Clemson last year. Destroyed them. It was not a competitive game. And you look at what Clemson lost compared to what Notre Dame has lost, and it's not even close. Clemson lost way more high-level guys than Notre Dame did. Notre Dame lost Especially two high-level guys. That's yeah. it. Right. And then they lost some solid, you know, Jared Patterson, solid veteran guy, Jason Adamiola, solid veteran guy, Justin sure. Adamiola, solid veteran guy, Mayer and Foskey are the two studs. Clemson yep. lost what? Three studs from their front seven alone. I mean, yep. potential two, I mean, two top three, 10 picks on the D line alone. I was going to say three potential first rounders in the front right. seven. So. And they lost KJ Henry, who was, a, I think, a pretty good player for them. Yep. So that that's my issue is, is, to have Clemson head to Notre Dame is it, now look like, again, I'm fine with Notre Dame at nine with no context sure. within context. They should be ahead of Clemson. Now I think if you're going to base off last year and what teams have coming back, 
if you want to leave Notre Dame at nine and drop Clemson to 10 and jump Penn State up to eight, I could somewhat live with that. I think Penn State's a little overrated. I think their schedule is a little soft, though, compared to, especially compared to Notre Dame's. Yeah. And I think their schedule sets up somewhat favorably, and they've got some really talented players coming back as well. So I I could I could be more sympathetic to them having Clemson. And of course, USC needs to be ahead of Notre Dame because they they whooped Notre Dame pretty good last year. I mean, yeah. you know, we said, hey, look, Notre Dame's a play here, a play there, and they make it a game, but they didn't. They didn't make those plays, and USC did. And they were basically constantly within they would score to make it single digits, and USC would go right back down and score, make it double digits again. It was it was not a it was not a game that how it played out, Notre Dame wasn't really competitive. Yeah, the because the, we're whenever you have to rely on that. Well, if this would have happened, it would have been competitive. It, you're saying that because it wasn't. It wasn't competitive, and and so I'm fine with USC being ahead of them. But I, I have I take umbrage with that, Ryan. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm also with you on the Florida State. What ranking having them higher, at 14? Man. Yeah, they should. One of the worst rankings on there to me was the Oklahoma one. I mean, you're 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 banking on a lot of transfers who to come in and make a bad team really good. And you a lot of true freshmen, too. A lot of true yeah. freshmen, too. Yeah. You're really banking on some newcomers making them good again. And I and, and the reality is, is people are going to look at USC and be like, well, USC did it. But USC did it not because they brought in a million transfers. They did it because they brought in one especially really good transfer, and that's Caleb Williams. Yeah, I, I know that maybe Roger Dodger disagree with this, and I'd be curious to kind of get his assessment. That's our, our USC fan who's in the chat if he's in here. But you take – let's just say that Oklahoma gets everybody that they got last year, but Keaton Slovis is still their quarterback and Caleb Williams stays at Oklahoma. I think their records reverse. I do. I think Oklahoma yeah. is probably ten and two, and USC is probably six and six, because their offensive line was okay, but it was good with him. Yes, they don't beat Notre Dame for sure because the reason they beat Notre Dame is because they just couldn't stop Caleb Williams from doing the the, the He Man stuff. The way that Notre Dame's pass rush was going in that, especially that second half, they had to eat Keaton Slovis alive. Right, I mean Caleb Williams would put that team on his shoulders and just. They don't they don't beat Oregon State without Caleb Williams. They don't beat Washington State without Caleb Williams. They don't beat uh UCLA without Caleb Williams doing some hurt, you know, some He-Man stuff, some Hercules stuff, some Superman stuff, right? Pick any superhero that you want, Captain America, whatever. He was doing stuff that you're just like, there's nobody else can do that. And he carried that team. Oklahoma doesn't have that. Who's that? 
Dylan Gabriel? Yeah. Right? Like a D tackle transfer doesn't make a six and six team eleven and one or ten and two. Just doesn't happen that way. In my opinion. Oklahoma also lost a couple key players, man. I mean, we're not yeah. talking about the fact that they lost both their offensive tackles who were pretty dang good for them last year, Anton yeah. Harrison and Wanya Morris. Like, it's not like yeah. a, oh man, like they lost a couple important players as well. Eric Ray right. was a quietly good, really good football player for them last yes. year. Ran for over a thousand yards. Over 1,300 yards at 6.4 a pop. He's gone. And their best uh, wide receiver is gone. Marvin too, Mims, well. a thousand yeah. yard receiver last year. You're absolutely right, Ryan. Yep. And didn't Theo Weiss also leave? He was in their top five. He transferred, I believe. Year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eric Gray caught 33 passes for them. He was fifth on the team last year in receiving yards. So at least they get, least they get Austin Stogner back, I guess. So there you go. I guess. Yeah, because that worked out so great at South Carolina. So yeah. yes, they they had some losses, and I don't know that they replaced them enough to where all of a sudden I'm taking a six and seven team and jumping them in number eleven. And you're going to have them ahead of Florida State. I, I just I, I have a hard time with Tennessee at twelve. I understand that one. I don't agree with it, but I understand it, especially since you have their win total at eight point two, and you yeah. have to go down all the way to sixteen to get to the next team with lower than eight point seven win rate. So they're basically saying an, an eight and four team in the SEC is better than a nine and three team in the Pac-12 or ACC. It's basically what they're saying at sure. that point in time. Yeah, but Florida State should be high. I actually think Florida State to me should be a preseason top ten team. In my opinion, I think so. With all the yeah. with all the production they have coming back, absolutely. And they yeah. got some really important transfers. I mean, the, the, look, if if Notre Dame would have got Braden Fisk, we'd be we'd be jumping for joy about what this defensive line is going to be like next year because I of also, what also also broke out this year. Go ahead, Ryan. I also love the Florida State got. Jeremiah Byers from UTEP. That dude mm-hmm. is a dominant offensive line. He's going to be really good for Florida And getting State Jared and Verse to stay. Johnny <laughs> and, Wilson and Jordan, comes back. And Trey Travis. Benson comes back. Jordan Travis yeah. comes back. They have a lot yeah. of talent. And their recruiting class was solid. I mean, they, 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 they had a really good transfer class, Ryan, to your point. They had a really good yeah. transfer class. Yeah. And they've shown so far they've been able to pick transfers that fit into the culture of the program well. Because Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, right. and Jared Verse are all transfers, to your right. point. Yep. Yep. And transfers that bought into the culture that he's trying to build. If Jared B- Verse was just there to do his thing and go pro, he'd be going pro. He'd be gone. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, the fact that he came back when everybody thought he was going to go out says a lot about the fact that he brought in a guy that built, built, bought into the culture of what, and that was the biggest thing that Mike Norvell had to fix. Nor Florida State didn't lack talent. They they don't have the talent they used to have, but it's not like they have bum players. They had a culture problem. Yep. So he had to get rid of a lot of bad culture players and then replace them with transfers. But you had to be really smart about the type of transfers they brought in. And I think they were. I mean, Dylan Gibbons was a great transfer portal guy because you needed offensive line help. He's a tough kid. He brought toughness, but he also brought character. Yeah. You know, accountability. Hey, there's a right and a wrong way to do things off the field. Leadership. And then, of course, Jordan Travis's leadership tools. And then there's just a lot of different things where he's built the culture. I, I have a lot more faith in, in Florida State going into the season than I do Tennessee at 12. I understand Tennessee being at 12. I just wouldn't have them there, in my opinion. Sure. I'm comfortable with, with Oregon at 13, Rye. Uh, I'm comfortable with – I mean, I think you could even make a case maybe a couple spots higher, but I, I'm I'm – I'm comfortable with them at 13. I think there's teams ahead of them they should be ahead of, but I maybe think there's a couple teams behind them that should be a little bit higher. I I think Washington should be the number two team in the Pac-12 coming into the preseason, in my opinion. I would like like Utah to get bumped up a couple spots, man. I don't think – look, they lost Clark Phillips, but like other than that, I mean – 
I think the Cameron Rising injury is probably scaring some people off because he tore his ACL in the bowl game. Okay. You know, like that would be my reservation with Utah is. So he might be back though by season. Maybe. Maybe, Right. I mean, but to me, it's, it's, you know, it's a six to eight month thing. Now he got hurt in January. He should be good by the season, but what we saw in the bowl game was when he went out and I'm not a big Cameron rising guy, but Mm -hmm. you kind of see what he meant to that team. And, and yeah, but I mean, to your point, they have a lot coming back. If I, if I felt a little better about their quarterback situation, right. I'd, I'd be, I'd be okay saying, Hey, they need to be top 10, honestly, because of the way that they played last year in my view, but I'm I'm good with them at 15 for now because of that Ole Miss at 16 is too high. In my opinion, Ole Miss does not belong there. I, I, my view, they're, they're a wild card team for me, man. Like there's, Parts of their team I really do like, but they haven't put it together yet. You know, it's like running backs really good. They have a couple interesting options at quarterback, but they have all been sporadic at times in their career. And I mean, defensively, man, they got a couple dudes up front. I like the Cedric Johnson kid. I like Jared Ivey at at the defensive end spots. That's every year though. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. They haven't put it together as a team. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And, I, and I, I'm not a Spencer Sanders believer. I mean, I started to jump on the bandwagon, then he, he, you know, he did what he did. He looked so good like the first four yeah. games of the year last year. And then he yeah, just, like, oh, he got, built on the Notre Dame game. Nope. He got, he got hurt yeah. and then it was over with. <laughs> TCU at 17, I'm okay with. I mean, they lost a ton, but look, they made it to the championship game last year. That's quite a fall, but it's an understandable one. They it had is. a, they had a miracle season. You know, I don't, I don't think that's repeatable for them. I just think everything kind of went right. Florida at 18, Texas A&M at 19, and Wisconsin at 20 for me are all just really bad ones. Yeah. Really bad ones, especially since their especially projections for Florida. Well, did you see their projection for Florida? They have Florida at 7 Six, and eight. 5. Yeah. And yeah. Texas A&M at 8 and 5, basically. Yeah. 7 and a half and 4 and a half. Washington at 8 and 4 at number 21 was was one of the more egregious teams down below. Washington at 21 with everything they've got coming back. I mean, good Lord. And they did very well in the transfer portal too, Ryan. Yeah. Very well in the portal. Washington to me is, should be closer to 10 in my view. Oh, if man. not in the top 10. The Oregon state disrespect there too, yeah. man. Wow. Under yeah. Texas tech and Baylor after last year. That's yeah. Ha, I, I don't, I Washington one though, for me, is one of the worst rankings on here. Yeah, um, Texas Tech is a little too high for me, but I actually like what Joey McGuire is doing there. They're not they're not that soft, and I mean they're they're trying to establish a little bit more toughness there. I feel they're still not a very good team, but I I think they're too high. But I did want to say that I, I do like what Joey McGuire is doing there. But yes, you're correct. The Oregon State at twenty four is too low. I think Kansas State at twenty seven is probably a little too low. Yeah, a couple other teams, Ryan. That that I I, I think NC State's going to be a top twenty-five team this year. Uh, they have them down at thirty-six, and I think they're going to be a top ten team. And here's a team that I understand why they're this low, but I think they're going to be a lot better than this. That's Iowa <laughs> at thirty-seven. Now, look, yeah. I get why they're there, but as bad as they were last year, Ryan, they had one of the worst offenses I have ever seen, and I am a Notre Dame fan who had to live through the 2007 season. So I know what all-time bad offense looks like. Yeah. And Iowa had an all-time bad offense last year. And they still went 8-5 and five and won five of their last six games. Do you know Spencer Petras is back on the roster, by the way? I didn't know that. 
I saw that the other day. I mean, he's got to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, dude, I suck. I get it. I'm, I totally understand. Yes. Grad assistant route? Yeah. <laughs> seriously. I mean, he was awful. And yeah. I have zero faith in Brian Ferentz, but it's their defensive situation is phenomenal. If they never get talked about this way. They're one of the five best defensive football teams in America on a relatively consistent basis in yeah. regard to this maximizing the talent they have great coaching great execution all of that now they may not always have a, an actual top five defense in results because they don't have the talent but that is one of the best coached defenses in all football and they play great defense more often than not i mean last year as bad as their offense was they still only give up 13 points a game give up 19 yeah. the year before that six Iowa has not given up 20 points a game since I'm still going 2015. And that year they gave up 20.4. Still Parker, baby. Yeah. Still Parker. I man. mean, they're yeah. they're an outstanding defense, and you give them a competent quarterback. And that's all that's all Cade McNamara is. He's competent. That's it. But competent is a ginormous leap <laughs> from what they had the last two years of quarterback. What would you? Well, how would so you 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 phrase Cade McNamara as competent? How would you phrase Spencer Petrus? What's the word? What's the adjective you would use for Spencer Petrus? I'm not allowed to not say. To I, don't him, I don't want to get not to slander him too. No, much. I mean it's just like look, the kid is just not a Division One quarterback, yeah. right? He's you know he's got you know at least not at least not a high level FBS no. Power Five quarterback. No, right? I mean <laughs> yeah, he's not a yeah. Division One. Honestly, you know I say this all the time. Like, hey, you know, get, uh, he could not have started for me at Duquesne. Wow. <laughs> no, Neil Lope is a better quarterback than him. And he just wow. is. I mean, it, or was, I should say. There's, I would say, the the Wittenberg team that I coached on at the Division three level, he wouldn't have started for us. Can't complete a pass, right? Right? I mean, like, he can't complete a pass. He can't complete a hitch route. Wow. Like, it's 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 one of the worst things I've ever seen. I mean, the guy can't throw. Now, part of it may be mental, but you're talking about a kid that, that just doesn't have the mind to play the game. He doesn't. Yeah. Cade McNamara is a solid quarterback. He's not going to win you a national championship, but he showed that, you know, you put a good – if you give him a good defense and a good run game, he can get you the college football playoff. Well, guess what he's going to have at Iowa? A pretty darn good freaking defense. I, I okay, will say run this. game. I will say this about Phil Parker, though. Phil Parker is going to really show how good he is this year if he maintains any semblance of what he did last year because they are losing some guys this yes, year, they man. Are. Like they lost some guys. That's, what, that's what I yeah. love about him, though, Ryan. Yeah. Because I, I I pointed this out the other day. This is a wild stat for me. Uh, from 2019, they have had a different leader in tackles for loss each season, and in each season that guy was over 10. So in 2018, or excuse me, 2019 and 2018, AJ Epinesa led him in tackles for loss back to back years, right? Yep. Then he leaves in the next year. Davion Nixon leads him in tackles for loss. Chancey Golston is next at eight, eight and a half. Zach Vol- Van Valkenburg is at eight and a half. 2021 comes out, and Van Valkenburg is their top guy. And then in 2022, Deontay Craig is their top guy because then they lose the Van Valkenburg kid who had 15 tackles for loss. Come out the next year, Deontay Craig breaks out. And then Lucas Van Ness also has double digits. Yes. And that's just kind of what they do and say, man, how are they gonna how are they gonna replace the middle linebackers? Pretty darn good football player. 
But that's yep. just kind of what they do. I mean, he won't be the NFL prospect that Jack Campbell is. Because I remember you talking about Jack Campbell last summer when we were talking about, you know, yep. team, you know, all American teams and all that. He's probably going to go second round. Yeah. Dan S. Kid's going to go first round. Most yeah, likely. I mean, so, they were yeah. really good football players. So, yeah. but I was, I was, I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. I would have them in the top twenty-five. I certainly like what they have coming back better than some of the teams ahead of them. Their offense, is North Carolina. Are you kidding year. me? <laughs> yeah, it's re- like here, here. Here's an interesting. One. You have Michigan State at thirty-one. Based on what? Peyton Thorne, baby, coming back. Let's do it. <laughs> Back yeah, season, coming baby. back. He was bad last year. I think UCLA at 41. I think UCLA will be a lot better than that. I, I think I think Dante Moore will be their quarterback by game four. And they'll 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 be better. They'll be better than that. But yeah, the, the Duke all the way down to 53. Duke deserves they have Duke not making a bowl game. They have Duke at five and seven. Duke's gonna that's be weird. That's yeah, weird. That's that's gonna be a quality football team. They have Washington down here at five and seven as well. Uh, they have them all at 62. I think Washington State's going to be better than people think this year as well. I think Washington State's going to be a pretty good team this year. Yeah. I really do. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, man, the disrespect so. to the James Madison Dukes after their great first season going 6-6 six yeah. and six in this index? What, yeah. man? Where'd they have huh. them? They, uh, I don't even know what the number is that they're ranked, but they're ranked to go 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, they have 91st. That's weird. I know they lost their quarterback and stuff, but that's still very odd. Yeah. Well, especially when you look at some of the games they won last year, it's not like they were winning with flukes. Now they were blowing teams out at most of the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they beat middle Tennessee by 37, Norfolk state by 56. They beat app state on the road, beat Texas state by Texas state by 27, Arkansas state by 22, old dominion by 34, beat Georgia state by two and beat coastal Carolina by 40. Yeah. And then they got, they got blown out by Louisville and then they lost by a touchdown to Georgia Southern and lost by two touchdowns to Marshall, who's a pretty good football team. Yeah. So, yeah, they should be higher than that. But Poor UMass, man. The fighting Don Browns are not going to have yeah. a great season, apparently. No. no. So, anyway, Ryan, more of the stories we wrap as we kind of wrap up. I want to get to recruiting. I, 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 yeah. I'm comfortable with where Notre Dame is, big picture. Nine, I'm fine with that. I just don't think they should be behind Clemson. And I think it's – they have zero business being behind Texas. Zero. I would just argue maybe you could make a case for some of the teams not in the top 10 to be ahead of Notre Dame based sure. on what we know about teams. I think you can make a case. Um, I think you can make a case for, like I said, Penn State, for example, uh, to to have a more of a deserved top 10 ranking. Now, I personally don't think that Notre Dame will – I think Notre Dame will be better than Penn State. And since the FPI is different than a t- preseason top 25, because it's meant to project, I'm yeah. actually not upset. I mean, I in that scenario, I, I think they should be ahead of Penn State. But I just I have a hard time embracing the Texas in the top five one. And then Clemson being ahead of Notre Dame. I have a hard time with that one because Notre Dame's been better than Clemson the last two years, in my opinion. So yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But that's the, the, uh, the SP and FBI. 